0: Hello folks, and a welcome to We the Peeps. This is, of course, the American soccer podcast in which you are going to go get to know everything that you need and surely want to know about this women's national team. I'm Clayton and I'm a rapper I'm Quappy
1: and... <laughs> <laughs> <Got> him <laughs> I'm Kwame and I'm a super fan.)
0: Welcome, folks, to the illustrious uh, "She the Peeps" mini-series on this here show. This is generally a show about the U.S. Men's National Soccer Team. However, uh, we could not resist the opportunity to cover the Good Nats, the Women's National Team, as it is the uh, greatest event in the world of sports, the World Cup. And uh, so, Kwame, uh, I called. I called up my buddy Kwame, and I kicked Ty out of the studio. Uh, and Kwame is here with us today uh, to discuss this uh, game versus Thailand, and it's an exciting one. We're we're in it. Game on! The World Cup has begun. All the teams have played, and uh, we've made a goddamn statement. So welcome to it, folks. If you are uh, joining us for the first time. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at WTP pod. We like that. We like to uh, get to know you and hear your voices as well. So consider doing that. Also, if you decide you enjoyed the show at the end of it, why not shoot us a five star review that does a lot of good for the pod. And it really helps us out, even though it only takes just a couple minutes And lastly, if it is indeed uh, your first time or second time with the show, why not hit that subscribe button? It seems like this is going to be a pretty fun summer with this team. So, Kwame, you ready? Should we line them up? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this thing. Line them up, elites. Both gloves. Alyssa Nair rhymes with hair. We're also going to have center back. surprise. Surprise. Julie Ertz, or maybe not such a surprise if you've been watching the friendlies, and uh, Abby Dahlkemper, left-back Crystal Dunn, right-back Kelly O'Hara, the illustrious, Uh, in the number six position, it's going to be Lindsay Horan, Horan, depending on where you fall on that spectrum, and then we're going to have Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle as kind of a dual number ten in this game. We're going to have uh, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, and Tobin Heath as the illustrious, greatest front three in the world. And goddamn, did they prove it. Folks, this game ended uh, 13-0. That is not a joke. You heard me correct. If you didn't watch this game uh, and you don't have... You, maybe you didn't have time or whatever and you'd like to just tune in for the highlights Buckle in because the goals alone will take about 70 minutes to watch This was a ridiculous showing a World record-breaking showing from the good Nats Making a statement on their first day And uh, first and foremost on that score sheet list is five goals from Alex Morgan Who had been dry uh, for a few friendlies And she came into this one and showed everybody why she is the marquee Name for this team going into this tournament. Uh, in other news, Megan Rapinoe had one of the best goal celebrations uh, I've ever seen. It was a it was a double spin into slide with a wiggly leg kick type of thing. Sam Mewis also being made fun of by the broadcasters for her silly celebration. And lastly, I hate to revel in the joy of someone's pain, especially someone so cute as the Thai baby who was weeping in the stands at ten nothing. It was. That type of night for Thailand. Tears were shed on and off the field. Uh, Celebrations had for the U.S. Kwame, what were your first impressions coming off of this final whistle? I think the first thing I noticed was uh,
1: this. The U.S. was the last team to play uh, a game this round. Uh, And so they've been sitting for several days watching everyone else play and just chomping at the bit to get on the field themselves and this is what we got as a result I would say in the very early you know sort of five ten minutes of the game there was a little bit of kind of frenetic energy people were uh missing some passes and kind of overrunning um because uh, I think they were just excited to get onto the field Um and after the excitement sort of wore off, then they turned into, okay, um, now let's go win this thing. Uh, and they turned into uh, assassin mode.
0: Uh, and assassin mode is right. This was yeah. vicious, clinical, tight. And these were not all uh, giveaway give goals From Thailand nor were they all there were some but they weren't all set piece goals with the from a much taller squad some of these some of these finishes were intense especially from Alex Morgan really looking sharp out there
1: yeah most of these goals I would say for were from the run of play um uh than the few that were from uh set pieces. It's difficult to keep track of all of them. Sure having is. just watched yeah. the game once, but uh the few that came off of set pieces were more uh it, intentional knockdown headers and passes, but even then I think there was usually another pass um in the sequence. So this was really um this was really the US pinning back Thailand Uh, In their own end, not not specifically Thailand bunkering, as we sometimes see, but Thailand being just pushed further back and they could they couldn't do anything except for, you know, try to defend desperately. And and that didn't work very well. Uh, I will say that um, moving back a little bit, when we saw the starting lineup, uh, there was a fairly big surprise in that uh, Julie Ertz was one of the starting center backs instead of uh Becky Sauerbrunn uh Julie Ertz normally is the prime number 6 defensive midfielder and what they said in the telecast was that Sauerbrunn had a little bit of an injury uh that uh, you know she was sort of 95% fit and that if it had been a higher stakes game she would have played um and you know that's um you know that's sensible, right? You want to manage injuries, and and who knows exactly what if what they're telling us about the injury is accurate. If they're being uh, coy, because certainly other teams are going to be paying attention. But it, you want to be building momentum in these tournaments. We certainly built momentum on the offensive end, but the big question coming into this tournament has not been offense so much, but defense. And you want to build that continuity. And so to have your most senior veteran center back not start the first game, uh, you know, we could do without her. But we do want this back line logging minutes uh, together under in this World Cup setting.
0: We do. And we did see uh, some what could be accredited to an attempt at continuity in that we had three subs all offensive. The subs you'd expect. It was Kristen Press, Mm -hmm. Carly Lloyd, And... um, Mallory Pugh. Mallory Pugh. There is that, I suppose, in the form of continuity. And it's not the first time we've seen Ertz recently in the center back position. Although, in the friendlies leading up to the cup, she was sort of moved back there in the middle of games as what seemed to be like an experiment. And Kwame, you had noted that uh, you were a little concerned about this, that it seemed to you to imply that Ertz was, there was an intention to use Ertz as a center back, which would call into question the decision to never use her as a center back for the past two years until now. Ellis put out a midfield lineup that we hadn't actually considered in retrospect. We had Lindsey Horan at the 6, which is worth expecting. But then instead of Mallory Pugh or Carly Lloyd starting at the at, as one of the number 10s, we got Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle, which was uh, a look that I quite liked. They they both have looked really good. Sam Mewis really earned it in the friendlies building up. And uh, I, I thought it looked great out there. I mean, it's hard to look bad against in this game, but... Mm-hmm. What do you think of that choice?
1: Well, it's not so much that Ertz playing at center back isn't so ideal. I mean, I think she is certainly one of our three best center backs. So it does make a certain amount of sense if Sauerbrunn is going to be out to have her step into that slot. Again, as you said before, it's a question of, of preparation and how much we saw that. I think Ellis perhaps is more comfortable with that change now than she was before with the emergence of Sam Mewis uh these past few games playing really really well um my caveat to that is that I think Mewis has been playing really well for a good year and that Ellis didn't really give her the game time that uh, she should have or perhaps we might have seen this me seen this sooner um the other thing I would say is that uh I don't think any of the midfielders um, really played as a six. Uh, Thailand was so <laughs> um, on, their, on their heels that I think Ertz really um, got to play as the six for the majority of the game. And, as, the what? Uh, Har- as the As the six. So Ertz was oh, a center yeah, back, but she true. basically yeah. functioned as the defensive midfielder. And Haran was actually pushed out Pretty wide left, Lavelle to the right, and Mewis operating fairly centrally. And we were in a de facto back three, I think, for a lot of the first half. And then later in the game, Ertz was actually subbed out um, for I forget who, um, whether it was Pew or Press. And then we were really in a back three. So uh, the we did look really good. I think Haran. Um, is getting some of her form back. Mewis has been uh, looking very good, and I think that she creates a lot of problems for other teams with her height and with her driving runs and her passing and her long-range shooting. Uh, and then Lavelle, I thought, um, you know, played pretty well. So it's a it's a bit of a three-headed monster uh, in a way that's slightly different than when Ertz is in there. It'll be interesting to see if... We do that against uh, teams that are a little better than us or better than Thailand uh, and can match us a little more, but we'll, we'll see. I I imagine that um, against Chile, but almost certainly against Sweden uh, we'll see Sauerbrunn back at the center back, but who knows? Um, Ellis certainly uh, uh, is not afraid to change things around um, clearly and and go with a hot hand
0: yeah we it, it's it's clear that ellis uh is kind of playing chess with this and trying to be a few steps ahead maybe the the best thing that the best preparation that this team can get from such a weak opponent is uh the back three which would be Potentially useful, let's say, if we're in the 80th minute, one down against France, you know, to be ready for a change like that, to really go for goals with the two strikers in Carly Lloyd and uh, uh, Alex Morgan. If you're the coach of this team and it's such a landslide, what are you hoping to get from a game like this?
1: My impression is that uh, this was the U.S. making a statement Um, primarily to France, but the other contenders. Uh, France, you know, kicked off the tournament. They were pretty dominant. I think won 4-0 against South Korea, who's a pretty decent side. I mean, you would expect France to beat them, but perhaps to have to work a little bit more, um, you know, for like a 2-0 victory or something like that. And France handed them pretty easily, and they had a huge um, packed stadium. They're... um, And everyone was like, oh, wow, France looks really good. And maybe they've shed their demons and they've got the whole country behind them. Watch out for France. And I think this was the U.S. saying, um, OK, France, you you know, we've had to sit back and watch you. Now you're going to watch us. And I think this was primarily a statement uh, about how the U.S. is dangerous and can and every player on the field can hurt you. Um, that with the exception of maybe um, Alyssa Nair and Abby Dahlkemper, everyone else on the field is a goal threat, and you have to worry about every single one of us, um, and uh, and you don't know where we're going to show up. She's been tinkering around with that, but I think that's why the U.S. Uh, didn't Slow down. One, they wanted everyone to get into the flow, and they wanted Alex Morgan confident. And they wanted Haran confident in scoring goals. They wanted Lloyd scoring goals. But more than anything, this was a you know this was a shot across the bow. Uh, yeah, they
0: weren't playing. They weren't playing Thailand. They, they they didn't beat Thailand today. They defeated Germany for the record of most goals in a in a World Cup game. That's that's right. You know, they, they were playing their own game.
1: I think there has been a little bit of a um, a loss of... The U.S. used to be really, really feared, I think, by most teams. And that's dissipated a little bit, I think. Not because we're not as good, um, but because there's been a little bit more familiarity. I think we, they have seen us lose, but also a lot of other teams... Uh, a lot of other players from other teams are coming over to the U.S., to the NWSL, to play and seeing our stars week in and week out. And um, and I think that, you know, with that familiarity, there's a little bit less uh, fear. And I think the U.S. wants that back. Yeah, uh, and they're to, they're 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 going for
0: it. They really did go for it. It seemed it, it seemed like Rob Stone in the broadcast was like upset by this. And I side with Alexi Lalas as I as it sounds like you do as well. Um, that, that to ask a team like this in a, in what for these players, many of them is their only opportunity to be in a World Cup, and for for anyone, even if you get a couple shots at the World Cup, uh, you you take every minute that you can and you soak it up and you gain as much momentum as you possibly can. There's no letting the foot off the gas in game one of the World Cup. That's that's uh, crazy to me. Uh, would you agree?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it sometimes could be a little... I had a moment of where I was a little bit uncomfortable, where I was like, well, you know, we're running up the score. But I think, you know, Ali Wagner in the broadcast made the point that, uh, you know, what's more disrespect... What's more disrespectful... You know, sort of backing off a team and saying, "Oh, you know, we feel sorry for you we're we're not gonna try anymore, or to say, "You know, you're an opponent, the game goes ninety minutes we're you know we're seeing you as equals all the way through. we're trying to score, you're trying to score uh and it's hard for me to because I was never a professional, I was never that good to put myself in that mindset, but I think that is the mindset of professionals, and I think that's being reflected by. Ali Wagner and Alexi Lawless, right. Who have played for the national team. And I think the fan pundit view, which I, you know, fall into, um, a little bit more until I hear the athletes themselves talk, uh, is, is maybe a little bit of, maybe a little bit of discomfort, but, you know, if you watch the tie players, you know, they were definitely upset and kind of demoralized, but they weren't like complaining. They weren't lashing out, um, And, you know, doing dirty fouls, you know, they were, they were trying, they were still sort of trying to figure it out, find outlets. And so uh, I think, although they'll want to forget today, I don't think that there should necessarily be this bad taste of like the US being the bully for, you know, a a team that... uh, you know that was coming there, and, and that uh, that it was bad sportsmanship. I don't think it was bad sportsmanship.
0: Absolutely not. I and and I think that you know this is this is the game, and and we we exp- we we want the whole field to rise with us. There's there's we have no interest. We have an interest in the the women's game growing at large, but we have no interest in sort of. It doesn't help the women's game in any way to uh, back off in a game like this. That that does mm-hmm. nothing for. Thailand you know that doesn't help them their game grow and it doesn't uh, it also takes away from the legitimacy of what America this American team has done which is put together a vicious squad and I feel the same way uh, just to just as a side note about adding three minutes at the end of the game like sure it's an option for the referee to uh, sort of mercy on that and go no 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 added time but I think that's silly. I think every, every penalty shout should be reviewed. I think you add on the extra time because, uh, that's, that's, that's the game. Them's the motherfucking rules. And that's how we play this game. And, and it should be that way. Um, As soon as you start to say like, oh, well, you know, courtesy and blah, 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 you lose, I think, the integrity of the game in some ways. And I think things like VAR have come in and started to make things increasingly objective in the sport at large. That's true on the men's side as well. And I think that's for the best. Yeah, I think that's a a good point. So let's go go ahead and take this juncture then to uh, go around. Europa. Which is an exciting time. I uh, just kind of watched this U.S. game. So, um, Kwame, you mentioned that France made a statement for show, and that's cool. Uh, they go ahead, by the time this comes out, they'll have probably already played their second game. But in this first round of games, uh, Kwame, what's been going on with, uh, with the rest of the tournament?
1: Well, so uh, let me start maybe by talking a little bit about the other favorites as you said we touched on France um, other uh, contenders um, Germany um, had a narrow one one nothing victory over China and um, Germany really sort of huffed and puffed against China China is a is a solid team um, and China actually had several really good breakaway opportunities that they just couldn't finish they didn't quite have the clinical uh you know forward to put away those chances but they very easily could have upset germany uh germany scored their goal with like a long range um, shot that went through sort of several different chinese players um the goalie didn't see it till the last minute it was a good shot but you, you know it, you you try that shot you know 10 times and nine out of those 10 times it hits someone's leg and goes you know and and is and goes wide um so they were off to a little bit of a slow start. Um Australia was upset by Italy uh 2 to 1. Oh, uh, that was the that's probably the biggest upset. A lot of people had Australia as a bit of a a bit of a dark horse. Um and uh they went up 1 nothing uh on a Sam Kerr uh penalty that was saved, but then uh she tapped in the rebound. I would say Australia was definitely the better team uh but they were always vulnerable at the back um they were prone to mistakes at the back and they were slow at the back and they played a very high line uh and italy um italy punished them for a bad defensive mistake a giveaway by one of their center backs and then uh won the game late on a um, free kick that was essentially a corner kick and the goalie came out and didn't come close and uh The Italian player headed it in basically with the last um, the last action of the game. Uh, So a lot of people, uh, myself included, are now more and more aware of Australia's defensive uh, frailties, uh, which also makes us think back a little bit to the last time we played Australia where we beat them five to three. And we said, oh, you know, our offensive output was really impressive. Uh, but Australia has really been leaking goals. Um, and so maybe uh, that gets shed in a little different light. So Australia definitely um, uh, took one to the chin. They're going to have to fight their way back a little bit. Um, uh, Brazil, uh, who people really weren't giving much of a chance uh, this uh, time around, beat Jamaica um, 3 nothing, I believe. Um, a hat trick by Christiane who's been one of their stars um, for for years and years. And the one of the, um, one of the um, uh, narratives about the Brazilian team is that they're basically an aging team, that their federation really hasn't put any money into the development of other women players. And so the stars... Currently, are the same stars that were there a decade or twelve years ago, um, and and there just hasn't been new blood coming through um, because of uh, lack of support from the federation. Uh, one of the one of the many podcasts that are going on about the women's world cup is an ESPN FC podcast with uh, Kate Margraff and Sebastian Salazar, and one of the themes that they've really been talking about and exposing, and a lot of other other um, reporters and podcasts are as well, are how many other federations really, really give shameful short shrift to the women's teams, including in some cases um, shutting the team down for two years at a time. I think they were talking about Argentina Um, basically between 2015 and 2017, the federation, Organize no games for the team. Uh, so there's this real stop-start, uh, lack of development, lack of um, uh, support, opportunity. And so a lot of these teams are having to prepare for a World Cup basically over the course of a year, while the really competitive teams I mean, we're constantly preparing for the World Cup, um, you know, this one and then one four years down the line. Uh, so that's been... So it's both it's both been uh, frustrating to hear those stories. But then they've also been pointing out how it can be actually quite inspiring how some of these teams, um, Jamaica, um, Argentina, Brazil, um, a few others are really here despite their federation, um, sometimes just through grit, sometimes through like a benefactor uh And so that's been an interesting uh, plot line to to follow. It has. Um, And
0: Kwame, what would you say is the factor that needs to change um, so that we don't see that again? What if if you could take an armchair guess at at what needs to change to to change people's hearts and minds about how these uh, women's teams should be treated? Well, uh, I'm going I hadn't. Honestly, I
1: hadn't realized too much of this issue, so I hadn't thought too much about it. So I'll, the immediate answer that comes to mind is one that uh, Kate Markraff, um talked about, which is basically the only reason that the U.S. has consistent uh, financial support for women's teams is because of Title IX, is because it's actually a federal law. It's not necessarily that the U.S. um is consistently um, more equal in its treatment of men and women athletes than uh, than other uh, cultures and societies. It's that uh, there was a law that was passed and then there was enforcement of that law. And so, um, you know, the solution in many situations would be actual uh, actual requirements, whether that was... Yeah. At the political level within a country, whether that was something that FIFA or UEFA or Cominable or any of these large federations said that, you know, in order to. So if they said to, for example, to the Argentine Federation, uh, which is a shambles even for the men's team, we can't get into that. But if you remember any of the discussions around um, the Men's World Cup last year. if, for example, Common and the FIFA said, hey, uh, Argentina, if you want your men's team to participate in the World Cup or the Copa America, um, you have to uh, consistently fund the women's team at equal or some percentage of what you fund to the men's team or else you're not eligible. Something like that Something is like probably that the only thing difference. that would make – yeah, is probably the only thing mm-hmm. that would make – Certain people perk up, and yeah, and get I would add even better as, tournament. And I would add to that as now. well
0: that um, you TV viewership, man. Like, as you, if you're listening to this pod, you're you're on board with this. But but turn these games on and watch them. Uh, watch, you know, let let these advertising dollars become more and more meaningful. Um, I I I I know a little bit from uh, what's going on with the the Argentinian side that they 've uh, started to get sponsorships because of their they 've been politically active so they've they 've mm-hmm. earned their place in this tournament and they've they 've been outspoken and and uh, politically active and as such they 've gained cultural relevancy and gotten sponsorships and so and that 's the type of shit that can really uh, move the needle so in addition to policy and um, you know sen- sensible policy basic human rights policy um adding to that just the the powers of uh, economics you know get in there watch these games buy these jerseys um and when when the dollars start to become <clears throat> relevant you can you can see some things change i think
1: we certainly know that uh, for better or worse fifa pays attention to money
0: uh, <laughs> yeah there is, was a nice that is well established there's been some sweet shots both at the men's and women's game of carlos cordero over there and and uh one of them in the men's game I forgot to mention this on the last ep had uh, a a a dark and hooded not literally just joking uh Sunil Gulati, <clears throat> who is uh kind of this weird mastermind of of soccer politics and found his way into the FIFA ranks um and is maybe part of the decisions that go on there um but yeah who knows man this the the, the you can't control people's you can't always control people's uh sense of ethics um and so finance helps
1: yeah i think certainly um a successful world cup um does a lot to further the game on on many different levels and if there's a concerted effort from communities as well as governing bodies um and perhaps also politicians uh you know we'll just see the game grow and grow i mean you know imagine if uh you know imagine if we were seeing uh south american teams argentina colombia uh, you know bolivia peru uh growing uh and coming to match the level of of their men's teams like just imagine how much richer this world cup uh this world cup could be i mean it's already great i i i don't wanna give the impression that that this isn't a fantastic tournament that's good that's already really exciting it's going to be more and more exciting and the the reality um, is
0: that in spite of the the shit treatment that some of these female athletes have received they have stepped up and they're putting on a goddamn show and this this Mm -hmm. uh this cup's going to be really exciting Kwame, the narrative going into this uh was essentially that the u.s is narrow favorites but that they're followed closely behind by a number of contenders and that there are more more contenders for the Cup than ever before. After having seen what you've seen, um, do you still think that that's the case? Or is it, based as as the scoreline might suggest, is it the case that, uh, that the U.S. is really far and away the best team here?
1: Um, no, I would say that um, we're, after this round, I would say we're neck and neck with France. I think I personally at the beginning had France's slight favorites um, because I think out of the last three matches we've played them, they've beaten us two out of three and they're playing at home and they're a very complete team. Um, and I don't think they have very many question marks. The U.S. has maybe a slight, a couple slight, slight question marks, but um, but also really dangerous. So I think I think after this first round, it's clearly the France France and the U.S. Um, above everyone else. And, um, and then other teams after this first round, um, most of the other contenders have some question marks. I think Australia dropping a little bit. Germany a little bit more of a question mark than we thought. England, um, you know, looking strong. Um, that's a tough you know it's a tough way to start the world cup with a big rivalry against against scotland um but they they took that uh victory so maybe they're rising up a little bit um the netherlands um huffed and puffed a little bit against new zealand um but came away with the victory um and people i think see them as dangerous offensively but defensive question marks all
0: right well it's going to be a long tournament and uh the U.S. started well, but they got a long way to go if they're going to take this cup home. We'll, we'll be joining you again, folks, right after the, at the end of the group stage here. Once the, we'll have a, a round of sixteen bracket to discuss, and a lot more games under our belt. Until then, Kwame, what what do you want to leave the people with? Well, you know, so we've got two games coming up. Our next game um, is against Chile,
1: um, who went toe to toe with Sweden. Um, and who we've played a few times over the past few years and should comfortably beat, although they seem to be improving by leaps and bounds, um so I'd expect sort of like a three four nothing win or something like that and then uh it certainly looks as if um we, you know with this thirteen nothing victory against Thailand um which pretty much is an insurmountable tiebreaker if we were to end up tied after the group stage with Sweden that um it's likely that we're we're aiming to win the group um and therefore on target for a quarterfinal showdown with France so i think we want to see us building um uh we're going to be getting slightly more difficult uh, opponents each round which i think is kind of ideal and um so we're going to have to watch out to see Becky Sauerbrunn um to see if she comes back and kind of what um, what shape she's in um we didn't pick up any injuries today. That's good. We didn't pick up any yellow cards. It's that's huge. good. But that's always something to keep an eye out for as well as we progress through.
0: All right, guys, stay tuned for it all. As always, uh, a few things I like. I really like it when uh, a, a, a plastic dishware, when dishware is made of plastic, especially when it's glossy and appears to be uh, porcelain. I think that's nifty. Although I don't love the environmental uh, downsides of that, I do like. The light, surprising lightness of those dishes. Uh, I also quite like it when, um, there's, when there's extra pages in my various notebook planners. Uh, some of them have been passed off on over time, and I fill those in with sweet doodles, because that's what I do. And lastly, I really like it when the sun comes out. It's been rainy here in New York City, and we finally got some sun, uh, and I'm loving it. But I don't love any of that stuff. As much as I love donuts, it's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the.